Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> okay. We're back. One uh, whole, whole year. year. If you can believe it. <laughs> we only missed one week. Yeah. In the whole year. And I, we didn't even technically, we didn't even miss it because you still got a bonus up that yeah, week. Yeah, you got a bonus episode that week, but only like one week that we didn't like record, record yeah. for y'all. Um, I'm impressed with us. I am too. And with our listeners for still being here. With our besties. Besties. Uh, um, yeah. Make some noise if you're a day one bestie. Bow, 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 bow. Mistakes. Yeah, we can't thank you enough. We love you. And with this new year comes a whole new era for the podcast. Um, who knows how? Yeah, we don't know. Who but knows in what way? <laughs> you let us know. You let us know. Um, but yeah, I'm grateful. Maybe we'll yeah, we'll have some different heavy hitter guests this year. We'll have some different heavy hitter best mistakes to give you. We might have to slowly dissolve the deep dive because I don't know if we have another 52 deep dives in us. We do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll just have to dive a little deeper. We'll just have to dissolve the podcast. Um, (laughs) No. No. Yeah. Some heavy hitter guests. We're maybe we'll even we're going to start doing true. We're going to become a true crime podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we do talk true crime sometimes. I know we're going to do it all the time now. Sorry, Miss um, Kilgariff. Yeah. And whatever. Step aside. Step aside. Who's the other Murderinos. one? Yeah. <laughs> There's a new true crime podcast in town. And it's not ours, but we've been hearing a lot about one. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. What a great like paying homage to our earlier eps because we do blatantly talk shit, shit about, about my, my favorite, favorite murder, murder in the yeah. very first episode, I, I think. Yeah. Um, Elisa says that I'm the Georgia of the podcast. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said that uh, the way that Georgia speaks makes it sound like she um, constantly needs a, to take a sip of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was listening to that episode a few days ago. It's a great app. It is a great app. Um, we really, you know, we didn't skip a beat. We just started delivering heavy hitter episodes to y'all yep you've been with us through every trip 
<laughs> every crush, every trial, every tribulation through it all. Yeah. Every time we kept saying, I'm really excited about this person and then never to be heard <laughs> from again. <laughs> That's what being solo poly means. Yes. Um, is just kind of a just a cornucopia of crushes um, to then never mention again. Yeah, you've been with us through family illness, through heartbreak, through situations. Through literal heartbreak. Literal. <laughs> through Nika's actual yeah, through, broken heart. Through, Ill, through both my ill heart and then my broken heart. Um, <laughs> you've been through it all with us. Yeah, we love you for that. Um, and with that, it, it's with heavy hearts that we announce... Nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing. We're still we're still here, bitch. <laughs> um <clears throat> we announced that Nika's back on her bullshit. You hear Anya just shoot me and just a gun go off. <laughs> yeah, Mika is just kidding. It was a joke. It was absolutely a joke. Fully off of her bullshit <laughs> at bullshit. the mom. At the mom. And you know, when but there's she's a new back crush on inside. It, there's so. there is a new crush. And honestly, the best way to get over a crush is to get under, under a, crush. a crush. So I support it. Um, like that TikTok sound says, not only do I su- support women's rights, but I support women's, women's wrongs. wrongs. Yes. So I support you in this. Um, I love that you did just swear off gay men. I know. <laughs> same. The same way that I swore off cancers. And this gay man is literally in the exact same kind of like mental place as the last gay one that I just ended things with was, which is they're freshly in their should I start fucking women era. Yeah. And I just love to um, be that tester for people. Yeah. I mean, same. You're preaching to the choir, Misty. Who among us doesn't like to be a little experiment? And by that, I mean, we hate it, but we just keep doing it over and over again. Um, Uh, Listen, one... My theory is that I'll fuck enough of them that one of these days, one of them will fall in love with me back. I mean, it. I it, I do feel that I am a little bit proof of that being possible. <laughs> However, I mean, I guess recently my reciprocated gay crushes um, are like technically we're already like pansexuals themselves, yeah. but very like gay man presenting people that it seems... I'm not being treated as an ex- an experiment for who knows time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. But you know, whatever you swear something off, and the universe says, "Are you sure?" Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. We don't know yet. So far, it's literally not even a thing. So it's yeah. just a lowercase c crush. Just a little crush. Yeah. Just a sweet. But if you're listening, you know crush. who you are. And um, do you have a crush <laughs> on me? <laughs> Let me know. LMK. LMK. I'll see you next weekend. This weekend. This weekend. Oh, it's going to be quite a weekend in the crush department. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're this is the the, the rumblings <laughs> of a more dramatic episode next week. <laughs> um <laughs> are starting. But right now, aye, it, it is aye, the calm aye. before the storm and in both good and bad ways. <laughs> well, in the words of Florence Welch, it is always darkest before the dawn. Yeah. So, and then something about a storm. And then something, something, something storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, tune in to our Patreon up for more context on all of that. But, um, yeah, we're just 
chugging along. <laughs> we're chugging along in our various um, bullshit, our various crush nonsense. I wish that everybody who's listening right now could see the bruise on my knee. Um, it's so purple. <laughs> yeah. Care to paint a picture for us? Yeah. Well, not really. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I had a dinner party on Friday night. <laughs> Drank some wine, did one bump of K, and for some reason, that absolutely incapacitated me for about 35 minutes. Was in my room, leaning on on my hands and knees on, this, on one side of my bed, bent over, looking for something on the floor that I wanted to bring into the living room. And I fell off of my bed, but I, like, rolled over, like, <laughs> mid-air, like, literally just, like, yeah, like, before I hit the ground, I rolled over. And then was on my back with like my legs kind of splayed up in the air. (laughs) Um, And then I woke up in the morning and it was very sore. And now I'm looking at this bruise for the first time and it's very purple. So that's what happened. I fell off of my own bed at my own dinner party. Yeah. I mean, that's the that that's quite literally the markings of a fun host. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Of a fun wine drunk host. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you're throwing a good dinner party is when you yourself have bruises from it (laughs) days later. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's our official that's our official warning. Our stance here at Best Mistakes. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to make some best mistakes yourself, steer clear of the wine and K combo. Yeah. Um, Both some of our favorite things, but not all favorite things should be combined. No. We're um, coming up on. The darkest days of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling it hard. Same. I am not well. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I did sleep until 6.30 today. <laughs> I was wondering when you answered the door, I was like, is this a freshly awakened Nika Lamazza? <laughs> yeah, also my phone is not working right now, so I wasn't answering texts for that reason. I have to get it fixed tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You broke it? I guess. The screen is not cracked any more than it's already been, but it fell out of my pocket last night while I was sitting down at a table, and then now the screen is glitchy, so... Ugh, I'm sorry. That sucks. It's okay. I have to go get that fixed tomorrow, Um, which put me into an even deeper state of sadness. (laughs) It's so funny how little things can make you feel absolutely insane. Well, especially, unfortunately, like phone related shit, because phones are like our little like pacifier Mm -hmm. that can just like soothe the smaller moments of turmoil in life. So when that is ripped away from us, I mean, it's unfortunate to say because that makes us sound so fucking dependent on these stupid devices. But we are. I'm sorry. Like, that's the world we live in. I'm mostly just broke right now. So I'm like the idea of spending money to fix my phone on top of the other shit I have to spend money on this week. Yeah. Is not welcome. So subscribe to the Patreon. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Subscribe to the Patreon because we also have um, some extra patron perks coming your way, which I will discuss more later in this episode. But um, yeah, we need it. We need it. And we put so much work into this podcast and into our bonus episodes. And it would just mean a lot to us. And for those of you already subscribed, um, that's a little kiss for you. Love you. Right on your little forehead. For $4 a month, you too can have four bonus episodes a month. Like, come on, (laughs) y'all. Um, 
That's what one year of podcasting does to you. It makes you a shill for Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not immune to it. Every every podcast has a Patreon. And in that way, um, we have graduated to true podcaster form. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, you know, after one year of a podcast, I think I'm more comfortable referring to myself as a podcaster. And, oh, yay. And, well, and no longer as a stand up because I'm just simply not one. Um, <laughs> I don't do stand up. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I had somebody the other day referred to me during an Instagram live as being, I wouldn't really refer to you as a stand up. You're just someone who's funny on the internet. And I was like, it both um, punched my gut. And then also I was like, oh, but that is actually objectively just true. Yeah. I'm a funny person on the internet with a podcast. Yeah. I'm a podcast. Who does stand up sometimes. Who does stand up sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Who does stand up notably in other cities and not the one I live in. <laughs> you do You do stand up here. You've done stand up here in the last like month. When? At um, Summer's thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep, I think yep, you yep. do stand up more than you think you do. Maybe. <laughs> you, you've done like at least one show a month since like the summer, which is not like as much as quote unquote stand up comedians do. Yeah. But it's like. it's not. I don't think it's a bad. Like I'm not like. No, I, I'm not. I'm not taking it as you thinking it's a bad thing. I just yeah. think it's also an exaggeration to say that you don't do stand up because yeah. you do. But self-describing or like self, being self-described as a stand up comedian, like I can see why that doesn't feel like it would fit. Yeah. But anyway, that's just that's just my <laughs> observational take. Um, speaking of takes, shall we? Our segment, yeah, let's do it. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. You first or me? You first, because I don't have a hot take yet. <clears throat> I'm thinking. Okay, my keepsake is that I um, was the like host <laughs> of a nightlife party this past week um that our dj friends like are the creators of um babes and who girl and that yeah they asked me to host the party's called diet judge um for those of you who saw me promoting it on instagram and twitter that is what i'm referring to um and listen there things about the party not everything was perfect there are things to be improved upon for sure. None of those things were my fault, at least. So that's nice. Um, so kind of like regardless of venue hiccups and, you know, people who came to the party not necessarily being the target demo, I just had a very fun time realizing that, like, I do have the set of skills required to be like a nightlife party host. And that's something that I've kind of always been like, a little intrigued by and like interested in like what that entails and how people get into it. And it was just like very serendipitous that somebody else saw those skills in me and like wanted me to do it. Mm -hmm. And then I did it. And like, I feel like I did very well at, um, in the circumstances that were handed to me. And yeah, it's just like, um, an exciting thing that I want to do more of. And um, I feel very like capable of doing. Um, and I'm looking forward to like working more with this party in particular. So stay tuned. If you live in New York City and you um, want to come through in this new chapter of my life of being a nightlife host, um, 
more to come y'all that's my that's my little keepsake and also like it's just it's such a pleasure to work with Jason and Kevin the uh, aka um babes and who girl um they're just like two people that I think are some of like the funniest people in our friend group and are just like they were just like such a pleasure to work with and so it's been fun to throughout this process become closer with them both so that's my keepsake um my mistake this week um I mean I'm just still in like the in the little funk that this like little stretch of um like post daylight savings time early darkness days can like thrust upon us. So I'm just still falling into some bad depressive habits. Like family members have been like texting me and like it's taken me like days to respond because I'm just like feeling avoidant and like, um, I don't know. It's not that I don't want to talk to them, but you know, when you're depressed and you just like, you're like, what would I even say to this person right now? Mm -hmm. Just a lot of that. Um, so sorry, dad. My dad like wanted to have a phone call last week and I like completely like ghosted his text about that. Um, and it's nothing personal. I just have been, uh, it's taken 10 times the effort to get anything done these days. And I'm at least not internalizing that as a personal failure, which I normally do this time of year. I'm like, I'm a piece of shit because the darkness is getting to me this year. I'm just kind of looking at it as like just a matter of fact that this is what happens to me in this time. And it's a matter of just like pushing through it. Um, So it's not the worst, but that's my mistake is I'm letting it uh, affect my relationships. Um, And you know, possibly hurting feelings along the way. So I'm going to go on my apology tour for that this this week for all my missed text messages and or attempts at phone calls. Um, and my hot take. Well, I mean, listen, I had a possible hot take on the Patreon episode. Um, so if you want that hot take, listen to the Patreon ep- episode. I'm not sure if that's my hot take of this week. It's a little bit of a cold take because it's about Malcolm Gladwell and he's just not, (laughs) he's just not in the news or anything at the moment. So I'm going to describe that more as a lukewarm take and you can go um, listen to that on Patreon or we now have our bonus episodes available on anchor as well. So if you subscribe to us, um, on anchor, I think you get the bonus episodes on Spotify as if you listen to us on Spotify. So that's an option as well. But my hot take is that we need to stop letting Democrats hold abortion rights over our heads as like a reason that we need to vote for them because they've had so many opportunities to like just solidify abortion as like a right and just solidify it into like law so that what's happening right now is not an option, which is that Roe v. Wade is at risk of being overturned and likely will be. Um, And the Democrats, I feel like, have gone out of their way to keep abortion like just safe enough for a while now that like we feel like they're um, doing a good job, but like never actually have cared about abortion rights enough to like 
just get the job done. Um, And that's because as long as abortion is insecure and needs them to fight for it, we need to vote for them. And they do this with every fucking progressive issue, like healthcare and the environment and whatever else, like literally anything that leftists and progressives care about, Democrats, just regardless of how much power they have, regardless of the opportunity to actually like fix these problems, it's more important to them that these problems stay problems so that they can guilt us into voting for them because they're the only ones that will quote unquote fix the problems. But then they never do when they are actually in power. And I just, I think it's deliberate. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist with this, but like, I just think that they don't actually give a fuck about any of these issues. And what they care about is that we care about those issues. So they just like dangle them like carrots in front of us and then yell at us for not voting for them um, because those issues are at risk when it's like, bestie, you've had so many fucking opportunities to actually implement change in these fronts and you have not done it. Yep. Um, so actually, I refuse to be guilted into voting for you anymore. And this administration is proof of that. Like the fact that we were like just told that we were the most evil people in the world if we didn't vote for Biden because it's like the most important election of all time, apparently. And listen, I did vote for Biden. Not happily. (laughs) And if anyone's new here, it's not because I wanted to vote for Trump, to be clear. Um, Biden was just not progressive enough for me. And I didn't feel that voting for him actually was going to do anything for us. And it hasn't. Nope. And it continues to not. Um, So I will not ever again be guilted into like falling in line. That's my hot take. And this, this like abortion thing is not the straw that broke the camel's back. The, the camel, the camel's back broke a while ago for me, but this is like the most, like one of, one of the most concrete examples that I can like offer other progressives who like still feel that blue, no matter who is a viable plan, um, to be like, see (laughs) what are, what's happening here? So that's my hot take. We haven't gotten really political in a while. So sorry, y'all, if we're getting divisive, but that's how I'm feeling. I hear you. You're not wrong. Your turn. Um, My keepsake. Um, I feel so dumb to have my keepsake be about work, but here we are. Oink, oink. Um, I just had like a good shift on what was that Saturday on Saturday um, at the party that you just mentioned even though I didn't want to work it um, <laughs> yes our famously our door girl I'm the door girl for this heinous venue <laughs> for a great party heinous venue <laughs> um, but my manager who is at pretty even newer than I am came on a week after I started um, just like went to great lengths to like really compliment my performance at work and talk about how great I am at handling people and how amazing it was to watch me all night and how it was like you know, that she texted me the next day to reiterate that. So that was just sweet um, to get that kind of feedback, yeah. especially when I didn't feel like being there in the first place. <laughs> um, my mistake. Um, 
I guess my mistake would be related to depression as well. Um, though I'm not depressed, I'm just sad. And then I think I'm also manic right now. I'm definitely manic right now. I definitely hit a manic episode last night. Manically sad. Love Manically that. sad. I love when you when I can feel when someone's like, ooh, and I'm like, oh, I'm manic right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally <laughs> I also happened. sometimes have to read my own mania based on people's reactions. Literally happened with our bestie Christian last night, <laughs> who was like, not in a bad way, was just like, you're, he said something that actually was like a compliment, was like, you're like on one tonight. And it's like, I'm like, it's like really funny. And I was like, I apologized and was like, oh, I'm manic right now. <laughs> Sorry. And he was like, no, don't apologize. But. Alas, I did. Um, anyway, just um, because I've been in this emotional place, um, there are layers to it. One, I've not been able to get out of it. I can't shake myself out of it, no matter how hard I try, even when I have like one good day. Um, so that's been pissing me off and making me testy, both with myself and other people. And then on top of that, I haven't experienced what I'm going through right now in years. And it was with a whole different group of friends who witnessed me go through this. And it was friends that honestly, at the time, I didn't really care about uh, how my energy affected them. Mm. So I like just didn't like I didn't give a fuck. So I was like just doing my thing, being miserable, affecting group hangs with my energy, only talking about myself. Like I just I was young and I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. Now I care because I love our friends and I am hyper aware of how my energy, you know, I know that I have a very strong presence and that it is like we all do. That's why we're friends. But I know that I have a strong presence and that it is felt by everyone when I'm like in any kind of mood, good or bad. Um, and so be, I've been like embarrassed by how I've been acting and then have also been annoyed that I have to continue being around people because I kind of just want to go through this alone. But like you can't go through this kind of shit alone. Mm. And also I don't want to not be around my friends because that's who makes me happiest. And self-isolating is not great for anyone. It's especially not great for me. I've been there. Um, so I guess the short of it all is that the mistake is that I just have not been able to get out of this mood. And it's now, I just, um, it's like affecting lots of different aspects of my life. I wouldn't even call it a mood that um, trivializes it. This place that I'm in. Yeah. This um, this emotional and spiritual rut, <laughs> shall we say, that I'm in. And it's like not being helped at all by the weather. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's my mistake. My hot take. Um, Quick hot take. This is just for the girlies who are fucking gay guys. And I've been here, but I had a conversation with a girl the other night who is currently fucking a gay guy. Um, If you're fucking gay, if gay men are fucking you... They should be touching your pussy if you if you're a girl with one, but they should be like touching all parts of your body. Um, I hear this a lot and I've been here before, but I hear this a lot from like, quote unquote, straight girls who are fucking gay guys for the first time where they're like, ha, you know, engaging in like butt play that they necessarily don't want to be engaging in, but they're doing it because that's all like the gay guy is interested in. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Make these faggots eat pussy. Get your needs met. Like, yeah, or don't like it. 
if someone's not eating your pussy, don't fuck them. That goes yeah. for regardless of their gender or sexuality. Like if you have a pussy and the person you're fucking isn't eating it, don't fuck them. Yeah, for sure. Just do something to it. <laughs> <laughs> do something to it. Put your fingers in it. Like, I don't know. Fucking something, anything. Like, what are you doing? It's so whack. Yeah. It is. I personally have not experienced this in a very long time. So thank God for that. Yeah. Because I don't. Because also straight men do this too, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, totally. And like, it's not any less of an issue in that case either. Yeah. Um, I can't speak to as much of like why. I just don't really. I haven't fucked a straight guy in a really long time. So I don't even. Or hooked up at all with a straight guy in a really long time. So I don't even. It's not even on my mind. Yeah. Yeah, same. You're right. (laughs) It's not even (laughs) on my mind. Um, Now that we've... uh, (laughs) Now that we've completely uh, disqualified straight men, for now. For now. From our uh, pussies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, what do we think the fuck up of the week is? Fuck up of the week. The abortion shit is like yeah, pretty severe. Yeah, it's the fuck up of the week. The <laughs> we'll abortion just leave shit. it at that. <laughs> yeah. The abortion stuff. Look, just Google abortion stuff if you don't know what we mean. <laughs> um, it'll come up. Um, I mean, it literally will probably right now. But um, in any case, the Supreme Court is basically making a decision at the moment that um, depending on their decision could overthrow the decision of Roe v. Wade. Um, and Roe v. Wade is currently like, like they're trying to say that they're not trying to ban abortion, but Roe v. Wade is the only thing in place that right right now that keeps states individually from banning abortion. So like if they ban it or if they not, if they make this decision that overthrows it, it is essentially banned in the states that would want to, yeah, it's gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, and so the fuck up of the week isn't so much a fuck up that was made this week so much as the fuck up of like being, um, that three of the Supreme court justices were appointed by Trump. Isn't that right? Is it three? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's so many. (laughs) And there are very few presidents that have ever, that has been the case for. And of all presidents to have had that power, Uh, It was Trump, which also the fuck up is like that Supreme Court justices uh, have a lifetime Mm -hmm. job rather than um, terms like any other position of power in Mm -hmm. our government. Um, That is so it's like not so much the fuck up of the week, but the fuck up of the week is the culmination of a lot of other fuck ups. And then also my hot take kind of plays into this, which is that Dems have had the power to make abortion not something that is just protected by one Supreme Court case. Mm -hmm. Um, Several times since that case, they've had the opportunity and power to give it more security than that. And it just has not been a priority because we've just acted like Roe v. Wade is like this done deal. Mm -hmm. And like that just isn't, how it fucking works. Um, And, you know, refer back to my hot take for, (laughs) for why that is bullshit. Um, This week we are shouting out three patrons because um, I'm still waiting on 
the okay from other patrons <laughs> to make sure we're not outing anybody as our supporters if they don't want that on public record. So if you're a patron and we have yet to shout you out, make sure to send us a message letting us know that it's okay to shout you out. And I'll probably be sending you a reminder message this week um, for that exact purpose. But this week we are shouting out Gabriel. Thank you, Gabriel, for your support. Gianna, thank you so much. We love you. And Devin. Thank you, Devin. You're the best besties in the whole wide world. Love ya. Love ya. Okay. Um, Alishna Mistake. Listener Mistakes. This mistake comes from a patron of ours named Grace. Um, hi, girlies. I've been hesitant to write in a mistake as most of mine concern piss. But after seeing you were running low on listeners, listener mistakes, I thought, why not? Since at university, I have occasionally wet the bed after a heavy, heavy night of drinking. One time in second year, I woke up after being really, really drunk. And to my joy, my bed was dry. However, I look to my left and there is a puddle of my piss on the desk on my desk chair, a shitty plastic one. And in the middle of this puddle is my laptop. So for some reason, I'd left my laptop on my chair and in the night and in my drunken state, I must have thought the chair was a toilet. Needless to say, my laptop broke after being sat on and pissed on. Very embarrassing and expensive mistake. Love the pod, Grace. (laughs) Who among us hasn't? (laughs) It happens, girly. It happens, girly. (laughs) Or, you know, bestie. Bestie. Bailey, we don't know. But (laughs) everyone's a girly. It's a gender neutral term. But um, damn, I mean, that is (sighs) relatable in like, you know, pissing in your sleep in the middle of the night in a place where you shouldn't piss. I think a lot more people have done that than have not done that. However, involving your laptop is like an extra level, like grade a piss mistake. So I'm sorry to hear it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And thank you for trusting us with that. I love that most of your mistakes are piss related. (laughs) I would love to hear more actually. Yeah. Write them again. Yeah. Write them in grace. Thank you. Um, do you have a deep dive to take us on? Mm-hmm. It's short, but deep dive. Deep dive. So this involves my uh, high school fuck buddy, um, and his boyfriend, and then obviously myself. Um, and so I had a high school fuck buddy who was two years older than I was when we were in high school. Um, and we continued hooking up after he graduated from the high school that we both went to. And so my senior year of high school, um, I had a threesome with him and his boyfriend and they had been the ones to reach out. They had reached out actually on New Year's Eve 20 going into 2013 while I was in New York. And we're like, hey, what are you doing right now? We'd love to ring in the new year with you. And I was like, no. (laughs) I'm fucking eating a bad hot dog on St. Mark's Place right now. I'd so much rather be. Wait, what what year is this? 2013. Okay. 20, technically 2012. 
Wait, um, I was also in New York that New Year's. Going into 2013? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I, in Times Square. Oof. Maybe that should be a mistake I do sometime. I, I, was, dive. I was there. I don't... Oh, my God. That's even, so cute that we were both in New York the same I New know. Year's. Um, that's actually... Uh, that was a great New Year. I'll I'll talk about that later. But <laughs> that was a great New Year's. Um, oh yeah, that was a really great New Year's. That was a New Year's uh, I hooked up with Nico. Um, so never mind. I got my nut that night. Oh, if only I had known that when I got that text and was upset because yeah. I scowled for a few hours until I got my nut. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I was like, "Fuck!" Like they're never gonna hit me up again because this fuck buddy would hit me up and then not hit me up for months and hit me up and then not hit me up for months like very in and out and always on his terms um i have a type um (laughs) and so i get back to rhode island i start hitting them up we have a threesome and the threesome is like kind of weird because my high school fuck buddy even though he's the one who initiated it apparently it was his boyfriend who really wanted to hook up with me the fuck buddy was not necessarily into the threesome and so he like made us turn off all the lights and like was like really nervous about it god and i was like i'm just trying to fuck (laughs) so naturally because he was the one that was not super into it me and the boyfriend had more chemistry Mm -hmm. off the gate and so after that hookup, me and his boyfriend kept texting, but the fuck buddy was like, just so you know, like, I don't want to have a threesome with you again. It's not about you. I just don't want to have any threesomes with my boyfriend. Like, it's just not for me. And I was like, okay, for sure. But like, your boyfriend's still texting me. <laughs> anyway. So me and the boyfriend kept like flirting via text. And it was very like, you know, we kept like, talking about the possibility of fucking again but it would have to be behind or my fuck buddy's back and so then that is now in a fair territory and does he really excitement adds to the allure totally so i'm like rock hard while (laughs) these things are happening and i'm obviously lobbying for us to have this affair he's like 28 i'm 18 freshly 18 I'm like, let Gen Z listeners plug your ears. <laughs> I'm like, this let's... used to be hot. Okay. It, yeah. We didn't used to call it predatory. We called it hot. It's a different time. <laughs> yeah. When we fucking were not crazy. Um, so I'm like, yeah, like let's hook up. So one day we're texting and I'm in downtown Providence and the boyfriend, not the fuck buddy, but the boyfriend is for some reason staying in a hotel downtown and it's like lol like what if you came over and i was like okay for sure i'm i can like see the hotel i'm i'm here <laughs> buzz me up to your room um and so i go up and we're like okay we're just going to make out like we're not going to fuck and i was like for sure okay um and so we start making out and then his pants are off and my pants are off and then we fuck um, and I'm 18 and I think that this is super hot and I think I'm like getting back at my fuck buddy <laughs> for like all the times that he didn't like answer my texts and made me feel bad. And I like leave the hotel feeling empowered as shit. Um, and then a few years later, I think more about it, um, because I'm then in another situation two years later in college where I'm having a threesome with a couple 
And I realized that I'm more into one of them than I am into both of them. And I realized that the other one is also really into me. And then we start having our own affair. And then I cut that off because at the second time that we're fucking without the other boyfriend, I have a flashback to what I did to my fuck buddy. And I was just like, you know, you have these moments in your life where you're like, do I want to keep being this girl? And I was like, do I want to keep being this girl? Do I want to keep being like the hot young person who is leading these people into having affairs? No, I don't. So I stopped. I never did it again. Um, But I mean, it's just hot, objectively. (laughs) It's hot. It's like hot and it's fun when you're young to be that girl. Yeah, it is. It is. That but it's certainly wrong. Was a, it's wrong and it was a mistake. <laughs> but hot, a hot mistake. But a hot mistake. <laughs> Here at Best Mistakes, we also have hot mistakes. <laughs> Here at Z97, hot mistakes. Yeah. And to my knowledge, the fuck buddy never found out. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. There's no conversation about it. Right. Well, also, maybe if they found out, they like had the understanding that like it was more their partner's fault than like your fault, like not fault, but like yeah. in terms of as far as who they should be mad at. Yeah. Their partner is the one that like needs a talking to more than the other person, I the guess. worst thing about this is that I can't I'm trying to conjure up what the partner looked like in my head. And all I can <laughs> see is just a white guy. I just know he was white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember if he was hot. And yeah, we I, couldn't even get a police sketch out of you for this no. person. Yeah, and I have a feeling, knowing the people that my fuck buddy dated, that he probably wasn't even that hot. Wasn't even that hot. Uh, that's Whatever. tragic. That's a real tragedy of it all. <laughs> yeah, because let's be honest. Also, if he was super hot, you'd remember for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember what these two people, the second couple that I had the affair with, looked like. Like I remember the one that I was having the affair with was so hot. Had a mirror in his living room. That we would look at each other in while we would fuck on his couch. Yeah. So hot. And I remember his boyfriend was not hot. (laughs) And that's why I was like, I'll fuck you, but I'm not fucking your boyfriend ever again. Oh, my God. And, you know, led to an awakening for you. So, yeah, I guess it's all for the best. But did that affair ever culminate? Like, did they find out? Did you get a talking to in that situation? No, I just stopped. Um, I just ghosted the guy that I was fucking. So I was like, this is uncomfortable. Like, I feel yeah. bad because I could tell during the first hookup that his boyfriend knew that we were really into each other. Ugh, ugh, guys, <laughs> yeah. threesomes are not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no. And it's I've... very, very rare that a threesome involving a couple ends well. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I have yet to hear of like really great empowering stories yeah I just felt bad it's like I was really unenthusiastically sucking his dick but then like enthusiastically (laughs) sucking his boyfriend's dick and just a lot of like kind of like grimacing Uh, when I would have to like fuck him but like really like intense eye contact with the other one I'm sorry my official (laughs) stance is that threesomes are only ever very good if it's three single people that all really want to fuck each other yes but like, like the couple there's a power dynamic there that can either mean that the couple, like it makes the third not enjoy it as much, or it makes like one of the members of the couple not enjoy it as much for like different reasons. But they're all like equally just like, ugh, like so yep. hard to stomach. <laughs> and, you know, so if you haven't had a threesome yet and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, maybe one day I want to have a threesome, just make sure you're all single. That is my ultimate advice. Or if you're in a couple and you really want to have a threesome, you better figure your shit out (laughs) before involving a third person in that dynamic and never, never have a threesome to save your relationship. The number of times I've heard about that dynamic 
being an absolute catastrophe. Um, you might as well just have a baby to save your relationship, okay? <laughs> With how much you're involving other people in your mess. Yep. Okay, well, much like... <laughs> much like, um, you know, one kind of bad situation ending well enough for, for it to empower you to go into like a different bad situation um, with like confidence and it like ending or at least having the possibility to end even worse because that confidence is like not well informed. Mm-hmm. Um, that too relates to <laughs> the sinking of the Titanic. Best mistake. Our big one-year best mistake. Listen, this was actually going to be the first mistake I ever did on this podcast. And then I decided instead to do Ashley Simpson lip-syncing on SNL. Just as big of a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I kind of just like tossed my notes about the Titanic aside because I just was like, oh, there are just so many. Like the more I researched it, I was like, there are just so many things that contributed to this mistake that it was overwhelming to me. And I was like, you know what? We're going to come back to this when I feel just more confident in my um, abilities on this podcast. And the weeks went by and on and on and on. And I just kept forgetting to return to the Titanic. Um, And then today I was like, what? Um, is there a more fitting mistake to do as our one year mistake than what was supposed to be our first mistake? Um, and is kind of one of the biggest mistakes of all time. So it's, you know, uh, like a a special occasion mistake, shall we say Mm -hmm. for our big one year anniversary. Um, also I have never seen the movie, the Titanic, and that is an important thing to note here because I'm going into this research with no preconceived notions um, based on the film, which is not entirely 100, 100% historically accurate. So this is just a fresh, complete, fact-based reporting on the mistakes that led to the Titanic sinking. However, I also know that it is a mistake of my own, a great injustice mm-hmm. to pop culture that I have not seen the Titanic. So as a special one-year anniversary occasion um edition of our patreon episodes we are adding a second bonus episode this week and it's going to be a watch along episode where we are going to watch the titanic and record us like reacting to it um in real time uh, and releasing that on Patreon for you to watch the Titanic and like hit play at the same time as us and feel like you're watching it with us. Yes. Um, so if you want to watch the Titanic with me for my first time ever watching it, subscribe to our Patreon um, as just a special uh, added um, part of this mistake. <clears throat> so without further ado... Let's get into the famous sinking of the Titanic. So, um, I mean, there's a. I want to be clear that I'm not going to go through the total timeline and like ev- all all of the events of the Titanic sinking because it's such a famous thing that so many people know so much about. 
that what I'm really focusing on are specifically the mistakes that led to the sinking of the Titanic. I'm not going to like do a play by play of like all of the events of that day or anything like that, because I feel like that's just kind of like in the zeitgeist already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, I'll, I'll cover some of that stuff, but don't, don't get your panties in a bunch if this is not, you know, enough of a like exact timeline of specifically the sinking itself. It's more a, about all of the mistakes that caused the sinking. So quick backstory, if you're, if you've been living under a rock, if you've been living at the bottom of the Atlantic ocean, sorry, too soon. Um, and you don't know what I'm talking about on April 15th, 1912, the British passenger liner, the RMS Titanic voyaging from Southampton, UK to New York city, sank in the North Atlantic Ocean, killing over 1,500 people and leaving only 706 survivors. It was at the time um, understood to be the deadliest disaster in history involving one ship. Um, And it remains to this day uh, the deadliest sinking of a cruise ship. Um, The Titanic was the largest ship to take sea in history at that point in 1912. And it was the second of three Olympic class ocean liner sister ships operated by the White Star Line and built by Harland and Wolf Shipyard in Belfast. Um, the other two ships of these three sister ships were the Olympic, um, which was uh, built in 1911, just one year before, and the Britannic, built in 1915. Um All three were designed to be the largest and most luxurious passenger ships in the world and were um, kind of like the goal of the White Star Line with these ships was to give them an an advantage in the transatlantic passenger trade. Um, Ironically, all three ships endured a collision of some kind, and the only one to not sink was the Olympic. Um, The Britannic was lost during World War One after hitting a mine in the agency. Um, and so, and then obviously the Titanic sunk in um, 1912, <laughs> which we're going to get to. There is one woman, one woman named Violet Jessup, who was an Argentinian um, maritime stewardess and nurse. And she is famous for surviving all three shipwrecks. Mm. Um, she was on board for the Olympic crash and she survived the sinking of the Titanic and the Britannic. And that gave her the nickname Miss Unsinkable. And I don't know. I just kind of find that legendary. Um, so on the topic of the Olympic having, um, a crash of its own on September 20th, 1911, um, the Olympic got into a collision with a Navy ship. But because of the watertight bulkhead system kept, um, which if you're not familiar with watertight bulkheads, they're vertically designed watertight walls within the ship's structure to avoid um, the ingress of water in the compartment of the or in the adjacent compartment um, if it is flooded due to the damage in the ship's hull. So 
Um, this is like one of the more like commonly known facts about the Titanic. So I'm not going to get too into it, but the Titanic and the Olympic and the Britannic all had this design that was supposed to make them unsinkable, which is basically just like these, if one compartment is damaged and filled with water because they're like these airtight compartments, it will not affect the ship as a whole. And it's intended to keep the ship from flooding, um, and then sinking. So because, um, this worked, in this case, with the Olympic, um, and it kept the ship from sinking despite the enormous hole that was left in the side of the ship from this um, collision. And they were able to just like go back to the port and get the ship fixed. And then the ship was just up and running again not too long after that. Um, it was It gave everyone confidence that these bulkhead compartments make ships unsinkable. So when the Titanic was built um, and they started to really hype it up as like this unsinkable ship. This was like proof to them that that is the case. Um, and it gave them all a little bit too much confidence, which is kind of like your threesome yes. <laughs> and a fair situation leading into another threesome and a fair situation. Um, so the Titanic was built um, with these, like I said, these bulkhead watertight bulkhead systems. It was also built to hold 48 lifeboats. But to decrease clutter, um, it was decided that they would only bring 20 on their voyage because the ship's unsinkable. So what do they need them for? And even if the 20 lifeboats had been filled to their capacity um, at the time of the collision with the iceberg later, only a third of those on board would be saved. Um and so, like, <laughs> they didn't fill these to capacity, by the way. Less than a third were on the on these 20 lifeboats when push came to shove. Um, but still, only bringing enough to save a third of the people on board is grade A dummy behavior. Um, and it was also, weirdly enough, completely up to the safety codes of this time. Um, so everyone was like, whatever, it's fine. But had they brought all 48 lifeboats and filled all 48 lifeboats to capacity, everyone would have been saved. Um, captain Edward Smith was the captain of the Olympic during the, its collision survival, which made him unconcerned about the risks of the Titanic, um, striking an iceberg, which is a known risk during this particular, um, voyage the transatlantic voyage from the uk to new york is very cold so it is already like a known thing to be be concerned with but he because he was like well whatever the olympic hit another fucking boat and we were fine um decided that the risk he was more concerned about was the bad publicity of the titanic arriving late to new york so for him Getting to New York as fast as possible and like giving um, this company good press was far more pressing than any kind of issue uh, concerning hitting an iceberg. Um, so the Titanic carried some of the wealthiest people in the world. Um, it was really important to the White Star Line to have as much press about the Titanic as possible because the whole point of the Titanic was to make them like the premier transatlantic passenger um, company. Mm -hmm. So kind of 
the way that um, companies now try to get as many influencers involved in their publicity as possible. That's what the White Star Line did with like some of the most famous and wealthy people of the time. Um, so kind of think fire festival, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind of the vibe with the Titanic. Um, also on board, though, were hundreds of immigrants from Great Britain, Ireland, Scandinavia and elsewhere throughout Europe who were seeking a new life in the United States. Um, It was designed to be the height of luxury um, for first-class passengers and also just like a comfortable voyage for people who are just making the trip like in coach or whatever. Um, So right off the bat, we're starting with extreme confidence and dismissal of um, any safety issues of if they were to hit anything, which is like not a great outlook to go into this with, but also, um, and also less than half the light boats, lifeboats that they needed. But in addition to that, um, as the ship was leaving Southampton, the very first stop, the very, or not even stop the very first departure from Southampton, there was already a fire under deck in the coal bunker of boiler room number five. Um, The fire burned for 10 days as they tried to put it out in this one bunker. Um, And so by the time the coal bunker was emptied and the fire was successfully put out, it was one day before the iceberg collision. The sheet of steel that was the rear wall of the coal bunker was shared with a watertight bulkhead. Remember how important those are (laughs) for the safety of this ship? Um, specifically designed to keep the water out of other parts of the ship in the event of a collision. Two of the surviving firemen on the ship said that the steel had been warped by the coal fire in the bunker. Like they could visibly see that the steel of this watertight bulkhead was warped. And so it is thought that that um, warping may have weakened the perfect seal that make these compartments useful. Um, The day before the Titanic sinking, Captain Smith canceled a planned lifeboat drill. Many people believe the exercise was scrapped so that the passengers could instead attend their Sunday church services. Um, So there's still no no one knows why he decided that this drill should be canceled. But it is just kind of thought to be part of his like overconfidence that like, why would we need a lifeboat drill. So the fact that there was not a lifeboat drill um, literally the day before this catastrophe is another reason why even the 20 boats that they did have on board were never filled to capacity um, because they did not know how to effectively do that. Um, Another element um, that contributed to the disaster is that the wireless operators on transatlantic voyages had to be extremely fast and proficient at sending and receiving Morse code. Um, These operators are the receptionists, essentially, of urgent safety alerts from nearby ships. And the messages um, are, like, in the moment discerned by the operator of how important they are and who should receive them. Mm -hmm. And so if a message is important enough that the captain should receive it, it is marked MSG, Master Service Gram. Um, And it was meant like that means that is of the utmost priority and the captain should see it immediately. 
So there were several ice warnings from other ships marked MSG earlier that day to Captain Smith. He he saw these messages and he decided to go an additional half hour on the route that they were going, like in the direction they were going before turning towards New York. So, you know, originally the route they were supposed to turn towards New York right now. Um, But he says, let's go another half hour just in the direction we're going to try to like avoid the ice warnings we're getting from that direction. Um, So while Smith entertained first class guests and enjoyed a 10 course dinner, the warnings continued to pile up. At 9.52 p.m., another ice warning arrived from the SS Masaba, a ship also destined from New York or destined to get to New York on almost the exact same course as the Titanic. Their warning made absolutely clear that the Titanic's new route would take them directly into a field of ice full of big, sharp icebergs. This message did not get marked MSG and was never delivered to the captain. About an hour later, they received another, more urgent warning from a ship only 10 miles away. Once again, this warning was not marked MSG. At 10.30 p.m., only an hour before the accident, an urgent warning came in via radio from the SS Californian um, that they were stopped and surrounded by ice. At the exact moment this warning came in, the wireless operators of the Titanic were extremely preoccupied with, quote unquote, working Cape Race. Cape Race is the point of land located at the southeastern tip of the Avalon Peninsula on the island of Newfoundland. Um, And the operators were trying to communicate with Cape Race, which is 400 miles away. So they had to have their radio set switched on a very, very high level. So when the Californian radioed them because they were so close, their message came in extremely loud and the Titanic operators were so like jarred by how loud it was that they didn't like listen to what they said and they just told the Californian to shut up essentially. In fact, the specific quote was keep out old man, which is their way of saying shut the fuck up. We're trying to do something else. Um, And the operator on the Californian just assumed like, okay, they got our warning, but they like don't want us to, they don't want us to text them anymore. Um, So the operator went to bed and did not try to contact the Titanic again. Um, Another added element to all of this chaos is that a 37 year old um, named David Blair was the Titanic's second officer and had the key to the locked cabinet on the ship where the binoculars were stored. Um, He worked with the ship during all its test runs and was meant to be on board for the voyage. But just before the departure, White Star Line decided to replace him with Henry Wilde due to his experience on the Olympic and having like much more experience on large ships. Um, So during the switch of officers, Blair failed to hand off the key to the binocular cabinet to Wilde, which meant that during the entire voyage, the crew never had access to binoculars. Oh, my God. So on April 15th, it was a moonless night and there was a miraging haze, um, which most people would associate with like, you know, when it's super hot and it looks like there's like ripples in the air, but it also just, it it doesn't happen just in heat. It happens with different temperatures and air densities and like the, those things interacting with each other. Um, so it bends the light similarly in cold situations as well. Um, 
And it is thought to that that was happening that night and creating an optical illusion on the horizon behind the iceberg, which camouflaged it to a non-binoculared eye. Um, Fred Fleet was on lookout uh, that night um, and he survived and he insists that if he had binoculars, he would have seen the iceberg way earlier. But instead, Fred Fleet saw the iceberg at 11.39 p.m. and it was too late. They had only 30 seconds to clear the iceberg vessel or to, to clear the iceberg and the vessel was going at full speed. Why was it going at full speed, you ask? Well, let's remember that it was of the utmost importance to Captain Smith that they get to New York on time or early um, for the good publicity. And part of that plan is that um, at the time, it was kind of well known that the Atlantic Ocean has unexpected fog very often, but it doesn't really have fog for like the first half of the journey. So normally when leaving the UK or, you know, Northern Europe to come to America, ships will go as fast as they can so that they can make up for the lost time for when they hit fog and have to slow down. Um, So because it wasn't foggy that night, even though it was much more treacherous conditions than what the first half of the voyage would have, they just like kept up that theory of like, let's just go as fast as we can because there's no fog slowing us down right now. Um, And we're not worried about icebergs because we got these bulkhead, these watertight bulkheads. Um, So... When So once Fred Fleet sees this iceberg and they know they're going at full speed um, and only have like 30 seconds to clear it, they decide that the best option is to um, give orders to stop the engines and reverse them. But the problem is the central propeller um, of the ship, when it's rotating, gives the rudder more power to change direction. When the engine stopped, the propeller also stopped and stopped pushing water towards the rudder. So had the rudder still been working at its highest efficiency, it may have turned the ship just a little bit more and missed the iceberg. But because the propeller was not sending it enough water, there, the turn was actually much slower. Um, so slowing down the ship, while it like instinctually might feel correct in the moment, was actually the absolute wrong thing to do. Um so another another mistake that led to the disasters of hitting this iceberg is that um so well okay first of all a rivet for those of you who don't know is a way of fastening two sheets of metal together so a heated rivet will be put through a hole that is punched through sheets that are lined up on top of each other and then hammered to fasten the pieces of metal together. Um, The rivets hold up well under normal circumstances, but the North Atlantic was unusually cold that evening. So high quality steel rivets have to be inserted using a large bulky hydraulic riveter. In the bow of the ship, due to the angles that one must put the rivets in, the riveter, that hydraulic riveter is not an option and they must be put in manually. So steel rivets are therefore not an option. And they had to use iron rivets at the bow of the at the bow of the ship. Um, iron is not as versatile as steel, and it produces a byproduct called slag. The slag in the rivets makes them even more prone to fracture in low temperatures. Oh my God. 
The impact of the collision needs to be absorbed somewhere and the force needs the needs to like go to you know when something is hit the force needs to go somewhere. So um the weakest sections of the ship along the seams and the rivets were essentially unzipped by the uh impact of the collision. Um Another element that added to the sinking of the ship, the ship, the sinking of the ship. (laughs) Okay. Um, Is that people's natural impulse when the ship came to a stop from the collision was to open the portholes and look outside to see what happened. The crew then ordered the passengers on deck for evacuation and in everyone's rush and frenzy and also probably just not even thinking about it. The portholes that they opened to like get a look outside were just left open. So when it came time that the um, passenger quarter, passengers' quarters began to dip into the ocean while it was sinking, the open portholes helped the water flood in at an extremely higher rate. And to give you an idea, had just 12 portholes been left open, the water would have rushed in at um, double the rate. But there were at least like 130 portholes oh my open. God. So it, it expedited the process of the ship sinking by a lot. Um, and the bulkheads, these watertight bulkheads that are supposed to do so much, um, stood on average at about 12 meters high, which made them not tall enough to reach the passenger level, making them useless once water reached above the bulkheads. Um, the bow section of the Titanic was designed to absorb a collision, um, kind of like the way cars are designed to have like the hood and the trunk absorb the majority of a collision so that the rest of the structure and the people inside are unharmed. Um, that's like what the original design of the Titanic, um, allowed for was for like a pretty severe collision would have been survived had it been at the very front of the boat. So it's possible that this attempt to dodge the iceberg and turn the ship, causing the ship to instead or the iceberg to instead um, scrape the bottom inside of the ship caused much more damage than had the ship just hit the iceberg head on. Um, so that's another possible mistake that was made was them trying to avoid the iceberg at all at such a like last minute moment. Um, and finally, uh, I mean, this is, that's, this is not so much a mistake so much as just an unfortunate fact and added element to this evening. The water was much, much colder, like unseasonably cold, um, than it normally is, even though it was, you know, April is not like a particularly warm time in the Atlantic ocean. But in this case, it was only 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So um, people who would have survived in even temperatures like 10 degrees warmer than that, um, you know, ideally 20 to 30 degrees warmer than that. But people who would have survived just treading water waiting for help um, died of uh, hypothermia within minutes of being in the water. So more people died of hypothermia than drowning. Um, and like, it's basically impossible for a human to survive in 20 degree water for longer than 15 minutes. Most people died within five minutes though, of being in that water. Um, 
One survivor claims that he survived the cold water because he drank an enormous amount of whiskey that night, though. And according to him, he tread water for almost two hours and then held onto the side of a lifeboat that had no room for him and was allegedly able to bear the cold from the alcohol consumption because he couldn't feel it. (laughs) (laughs) So that is somebody's claim. It's all alleged, but it's funny. Um, So another mistake of that evening... We're returning back to the SS Californian. Remember them when they warned them and the Titanic ignored them? Um, The Californian was only 20 miles away during the incident. The crew of the Titanic set off flares for help as the Titanic sank, and the SS Californian captain, Stanley Lord, decided to ignore them, believing they were just company rockets. When they received the Titanic's SOS calls the following day, they immediately understood the morbid and more or, you know, terrible error that they had made, the fatal error they had made. By the time they got to the scene of the accident that morning, all they found were the floating dead bodies of over uh, 1,500 people. Oh, my God. Um, Another mistake. <laughs> There's a lot of mistakes here, you guys. It's probably the most mistake-heavy thing I've ever done on this podcast. Another mistake. The following day... Tuesday, April 16th, 1912, the Daily Mail reported that the ship had collided with an iceberg, but no lives had been lost. Um, This is obviously an enormous error because over 1,500 people died. And the error was 100% due to the fact that they just wanted to get the story out first and they did not wait for those details. Um, The Daily Mail to this day is still one of the most trash publications. Um, They've probably made... One mistake every day before and since then, but this is one of the biggest mistakes they made because of what like an egregious, enormous lie it was that nobody had died. Um, And it's also well after it was like known that more people had died than had survived. Um, But they were the first ones to get the story out. So, you know, (laughs) I guess it worked. Um. There is also a theory that another thing that contributed to the conditions that made this crash possible um, was that an ultra rare alignment of the sun, earth and full moon three months earlier in January 1912 um, set this tragedy in motion because it was um, on that day, the world saw the closest lunar approach since 796 AD, um, which brought extremely high tides and extremely, extremely high, high tides and extremely low, low tides. Um, it's a phenomenon known as a spring tide and is obviously very rare because this alignment does not happen very often at all. So it's not something that they would have even thought to account for. Um, But these high tides could have broken off a brand new crop of icebergs in the Atlantic Ocean. So that is that's like a more recent theory. But um, a lot of people believe that, too, was part of why the captain was so callous about like assuming that they were going to be fine because there were way more icebergs in the ocean that day or that entire spring than usual. Um, 
Another interesting fact is that there is a startlingly accurate prediction of the events of the Titanic sinking in a novella called The The Wreck of the Titan, written by Morgan Robertson in 1898. It's a story about a vast ocean liner called the Titan, which hits an iceberg in the Atlantic and sinks to the ocean floor for all time. Another detail of this fictional disaster is that more people died on the ship than needed to due to not enough lifeboats being on board. And many people heralded Robertson as a clairvoyant because of his novella, but he insists that it was just um, fiction and it was disrespectful to the lives lost to um, like conflate his work of fiction with the actual event Um, and that he did not see it as a prediction himself, but creepy that he wrote literally like almost the name is the same. Um, so the aftermath, as we discussed, over 1500 people died, only 706 people lived. Um, there is so many different people to blame that nobody has really ever like, you know, nobody even knows where to start. Um, the captain of the Californian for the rest of his life had to like defend his name because so many people blamed him for ignoring the flares. Um, for all the deaths, but I, you know, I mean that it was terrible and it could have saved a lot of people had they come to the rescue, but like there was still a rescue to come to. So it's not like it was his fault that that happened, you know, um, like the, the accident wasn't his fault. In fact, his ship warned the Titanic and the Titanic ignored it. So, um, but yeah, he was like a deeply hated figure for the rest of his life because of that. Um, So some of the aftermath is that in the United States and Britain, more than 60 60 survivors combined um, to sue the White Star Line for damages connected to the loss of life and baggage. Um, The claims totaled in around um, 16 million, which would be over 460 million in today's money, um, U.S. dollars. Um, which was far in excess of what the White Star argued it was responsible for as a limited liability company under American law. Because of the bulk of the litigants um, were in the United States, the White Star petitioned the United States Supreme Court in 1914, which ruled in its favor and found that the causes of the ship's sinking were largely unforeseeable rather than due to negligence, which I think is not fully true. The limited scope or this limited scope of damages um, or this limited the scope of damages survivors and and family members were entitled to, causing them to reduce their claims to about two point five million. White Star then only settled for six hundred and sixty four thousand, which is about twenty seven percent of the original total sought by survivors. The settlement was agreed to by 44 of the claimants in December of 1915, with 500,000 set aside for the American claimants, 50,000 for the British, and 114,000 um, to go towards interest and legal expenses. Hmm. There were many charities set up to help the victims and their families, many of whom lost their sole wage earner, or in the case of many third class survivors, everything they owned. Um, In New York City, a joint committee of the American Red Cross and Charity Organization Society formed um, to disperse financial aid to survivors and dependents of those who died. 
On April 29, 1912, members of the Metropolitan Opera raised $12,000, which is the equivalent of about $350,000 today, in benefits for victims of the disaster. In Britain, relief funds were organized for the families of the Titanic's lost crew members, raising nearly um, £450,000, the equivalent of about £46 million today. Um the ship itself is predicted to completely disappear from the bottom of the ocean by 2030 due to a bacteria rapidly consuming the metal of the ship. And this bacteria was actually discovered because they noticed that the ship was disappearing. So the bacteria is named after the ship and it is called the Holo- the, the Holomonas, wait, hold on, the Holomonas Titanicae. Um, and... Yeah, like basically all that's going to be left of the ship is anything that wasn't made of metal, but also wood deteriorates as well. So eventually the Titanic um, and everything in it is going to be completely gone. (coughs) Lastly, the last living survivor from the Titanic, Milvina Dean from England, who was only nine weeks old on the... um, and the youngest passenger on board on the ship during the crash died at age 97 on May 31st, 2009. So in many ways, this tragedy is um, completely disappearing from the literal face of the earth. Um, So yeah, those are the many mistakes that led to the Titanic sinking. There are obviously many details about the voyage and about the sinking that I like left out as far as just like, sequence of events and stuff um and it's a riveting tale (laughs) or so i'm told i don't know i've never seen the movie Mm. but um yeah like i said most people know a lot of those details so i figured i would just cover the lesser known stuff moral of the story it's interesting to like think about like there are just so many things that could have changed everything yeah that um it's hard at least for me to even like pick a like moral of the story i mean capitalism is evil yeah capitalism is evil but that's always the the moral of the story well i know but (laughs) no i know yeah Yeah. i was literally in the shower today being like i wonder what we're gonna say the moral of the story is and i was like capitalism is evil is is gonna for sure come up yeah i mean Um, i watched the movie recently and that's all i could think the whole time i was like damn all those essential workers just dying well also speaking that's the one thing i left out speaking of essential workers dying at work um you know there's like the well-known fact that the musicians played Mm -hmm. as it sank and played to their deaths um the myth being that they ha- were forced to like that oh. they were like working and like they were like keep playing because you're at work oh, I never but that's that part. that's actually not true um you know i think a lot of people already know this because it's uh i think equally understood that they just chose to mm-hmm. there's like two camps that mm-hmm. people think they were forced to or people think that they chose to um according to the people that like survived and were on board they claim that the musicians um, were evacuating with everybody else and chose to start playing when they saw how panicked everyone was as a strategy to keep people calm while boarding lifeboats to make it like wow. a less frenzied event. And they chose to keep playing 
um, up until the last moment. And then they not none of the musicians survived. And there is a quote about that from one of the survivors saying the music they played served alike as their own immortal requiem and their right to be recalled on the scrolls of undying fame. Wow. Um, but yes, I mean, it sucks because they were workers on that ship and the workers pretty much a lot of them died, not all of them. Um, but it is not true that they were forced to. They decided to do that. Um, to help people survive, which wow. I think is beautiful. That is. Um, also kind of wild to have like a soundtrack to that event in real time, you know, <laughs> like yeah. uh, I feel like it probably added also to the eeriness of what was happening yeah, Probably for there to be like music going on. Um, but yeah, I think the moral of the story is like a lot of things. I think it is. Yes. Capitalism is evil. It does. Like I said, I compared this to fire festival <laughs> earlier, obviously fire festival, people didn't die, but it's just like a recent catastrophe publicity stunt kind of thing that like could have been avoided that I think is like comparable in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was like the Titanic was just an enormous like publicity venture for this company that continued to be a company after the Titanic sank, you know, mm-hmm. they like continued to make money and like keep doing what they were doing despite all these people dying. Um, but a lot of like the decisions made were more in the name of like getting this company great publicity than like having a successful and safe voyage. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many of those decisions were directly because the company themselves advocated for that versus just like people wanting to like be star employees you know, like the captain himself, but that's still capitalism. Like that's still him wanting to, um, be daddy's best little, best little girl for his Mm -hmm. lollipop, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) he perished. So it was all in vain. Um, but yeah, there's like weird little details though, that it isn't really about capitalism or maybe, I don't know. It is, but like the binocular thing, like the fact that this guy just forgot to give the keys to the guy that was taking over his job is just like, what a like innocuous little mistake that like, had he not done that, maybe all other circumstances would have been the same, but they would have like still missed the iceberg, you know? Um, and then there's, you know, the lifeboat thing, which is like literally just like for aesthetic purposes, they were like, "Mm, they're ugly. Let's have less than half of them. Yeah. It's just wild. Um, but yeah, rich people be crazy Mm. (laughs) and capitalism bad. Bad. (laughs) And I'm going to watch this movie finally. I can't wait to watch it with you. Um, Movie of my childhood. Yeah. I mean, it's the movie of like my childhood in that I was deeply familiar with all the aspects of it because it's just, you know, so deeply in the zeitgeist, but I just still have not seen it and I know I should. So tune into our Patreon for the watch along episode. Um, Patreon.com slash best mistakes pod. Oh, yeah. And my sources for this mistake were the YouTube videos, 10 Mistakes That Sank the Titanic um, by Channel 5, um, the YouTube channel. Um, The Titanic survivor claims an iceberg didn't destroy the ship by Brightside. Um, 15 Bone Chilling Titanic Facts No One Knew About by Americano. 
Um, and A Man Who Failed to Save the Titanic by Brightside. Um, those were the videos that I used. I also used the article by um, historyonthenet.com called Titanic Timeline, an overview. I also used an article from Royal Meteorological Society, um, or rmets.onlinelibrary.wiley.com, and the article is... Uh, Titanic's Mirage Part 2, Did a a Mysterious Mirage Associated Haze Camouflage the Iceberg by Myla Zinkova. Um, I also used the article on edgeofavalon.ca called just the Titanic, I guess, is what the uh, the page is called. Um, And... Uh, in addition to, of course, many Wikipedia pages associated with the Titanic and um, the sister ships and the people discussed in this episode. Also, listener mistakes. We are in dire need. So write in your mistakes at bestmistakespod at gmail.com. We cannot thank you enough for one year. One whole year. Yeah. You've stuck I, by our side. I was on my little walk from my apartment to this apartment tonight, and I was like, oh, I've been doing this pretty much every week for a year. For a year. And, and we're um, not sick of it. And I'm not sick of it. It's like one of my favorite things that we that I do in yeah. my week. Um, It hardly ever feels like work. Yeah. Even editing, like sometimes like editing the podcast will feel like kind of just like, ugh, I got to like listen to us talk. But then it's always a pleasure every yeah. time. I'm like, damn, this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny and I'm learning. No, it stopped feeling like work IMO when we moved it from Sundays to Mondays. That yeah. was the best decision the, we ever made The for less ourselves. hungover we are, <laughs> the better. The, the better, it turns out. Although it is nice to still have it close enough to the weekend. Yeah, because we're still hungover sometimes on a Monday. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it is nice to like still be close to the weekend so that we're still fresh on all the more interesting things that have happened to us because that's when all the shit goes down is at the at the party yes both good shit and bad shit um but yeah anyway we love you so much and all of your support means the world to us and we um are you know it's cliche to say but our relationship with our fans is like the best part of this (laughs) um so we yeah, we just really appreciate hearing from you guys and we would love to hear more. Um, if you've written in a mistake before, don't be shy to write in another one. Yeah. And thank you everyone who's left us a review. Leave us more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in the gratitude portion now, Nika. <laughs> yeah, well, but do leave, leave us more. more. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite part of the podcast is reading the reviews. It's the compliments. So. <laughs> we do love a compliment. I love to post little screenshots of them on socials. Yeah, for on sure. On my socials. Um, but yeah, test your holes. Test your drugs. And kiss your friends, friends on the, the mouth. mouth. Uh, With tongue. When it feels right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Bye.